0: Hello and welcome back to The Overshare. In this episode, I speak to Harry McKinley from Unboxing Gym and discuss not doing the dumb thing, unpacking uncomfortable feelings, finding your feet, being selfish and much more. If you have ever found yourself thinking, what the heck am I doing with my life? I would strongly recommend listening to Harry's refreshing outlook and entrepreneurial spirit in his career and more generally in life. Without further ado, let's get stuck in. Harry, welcome to The Overshare. Thank you so much for agreeing so kindly to um, do this episode with me. I think a good place to start would be sort of your story, working backwards maybe from where you are now and kind of what's led to that, as much or as little as you would like. And then we can go get stuck into what we're going to talk about today.
1: Sure. Well, thanks very much for for having me on. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a great conversation. But yeah, um, to give you... A little bit of an overview of kind of my story in, in in regards to what we'll focus on today. I think I think it's it sort of started for me I went to school I, I took a gap year went to Durham University and studied biology and I think you know a lot of people can relate in terms of you know going through the whole school gap year uni process it's kind of quite a linear sort of path um, in terms of where you're gonna go and where you're gonna end up. So as I was kind of doing that, it, it, and I, I came out um, and graduated um, at, with, with a 2-1, I sort of scraped by and just about got my you 2-1, know, um, which I'd slaved away for, but didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, and when I, when I thought about the, my sort of long-term career path, it was always, it just scared me a little bit, and, t- and I think it scares a lot of people. but definitely scared me because none of the sort of traditional routes or careers that you'll hear in the careers fair and things like that would really grab my attention or get my interest so I had this sort of deep down feeling of I have no idea what I'm going to do when I graduate and get into the big real world so in that process it's a really strange six months that you have where you you've graduated and then you're out in the big world and you're suddenly just suddenly you've not got the next thing lined up in front of you so you don't have the next academic year of exams that you've got to you know what the modules are going to be and you know what to revise for so that was that was you know a different change in mindset already and i sort of got caught up in the massive race for you know a a good job and you know i was looking for basically grad schemes which is the sort of buzzword when you you graduate and i spent a good six months literally in that horrible job searching phase where you have no idea really what you're what you're like and what you're good at necessarily so it's very much a scattergun approach and you really sort of look at I was looking at every single different kind of job and basically it was it was quite a random process. I didn't really realize what it was for. Like it was very much a what's the salary, you know, does it sound good on paper? What will my mates think? That kind of thing. And that that were the sort of things that led me. And I was it's very much a case of sort of looking around your peer group and seeing what people are doing. So I I got you know, I had a, a few jobs in the sort of that six months that I didn't really see as long-term jobs. I was still looking for that. I think when you graduate from somewhere like a Durham or what's perceived to be one of these sort of good unis, top unis, you're looking for a particular job that, that really sort of sounds great and that you've really done yourself, a fe- like you've really made the most of your brilliant degree. And, you know, those jobs tend to be you know paid well and they're respected and all these kind of things so I was really desperate for one of those basically I didn't get one of the one of the jobs that sort of made me feel like that I wasn't I I remember one particular one was I applied for the Heinz grad scheme and uh, a life of working in baked beans and tomato ketchup awaited me it was (laughs) just going to be an absolute dream but I, 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 I literally remember being so desperate for it like I was prepared for these interviews for you know weeks I was trying to find people that worked there to try and get a good word in I mean I it was just like there was no why I wanted it so badly I don't know but anyway I I ended up getting to the final day of this grad scheme and turned up I was really nervous and you know hopefully it was gonna turn out well and I'd get this awesome job and my life would be sorted basically and um, I remember doing the first half of the day the morning And then they took about half the people into the room, sat them down at lunchtime and just said, if you're in this room, unfortunately you haven't made it through the process and see you later. So at that time I was like, oh my God, like what am I going to do now? I haven't got, still haven't got a good job and all this kind of stuff. And um, I then ended up getting, eventually getting a job in London in a, a tech startup, which was again, like quite random. It was just a sales job that, I found on a, a kind of startup website still when I got there. So I was, this was probably about a year, year and a half out of out of uni now. Um, and i had been there for, you know, three months or so or two months, maybe if maybe didn't even last that long, but I just had this feeling deep down that, you know, I'd worked so hard at school and, at uni and I'd sort of been told that when once you do all that and you get the grades it's going to be hard but then you're just it's going to be brilliant the world will be your oyster everything will be so great you'll be living in London you'll have a job that's awesome and I was just sitting there thinking how has it got to this like I'm just watching the clock it's so random like what where am I actually heading and I think my whole vision for where I was gonna go in life was just completely lost. And I just had like absolutely no feeling of kind of knowing myself and where I was going to go, what I was going to put time in. And just oh yeah, just basically got really lost. And I thought I'm I'm so stuck here because I'm sort of sitting here watching the clock, I'm making joking around, just being a bit of an idiot, a bit of a clown, which is fun for a bit, but at the end of the day, like I was just I actually want to find work that I genuinely like and enjoy and yeah it just didn't feel right and I was lucky enough to have um, my dad started his own business in the golf world so I was lucky enough to say have that as like a fallback but actually that's what it felt like at the time like a fallback a safety net but actually I'd always put that off as like I'm not going to work in the family business back in Cater. I want to be in the big London and you know making loads of money and all this and using my degree and all this kind of stuff so it felt like it was below me at the time but that's not the case at all like I quickly realized so I quit I quit that job which was a really difficult thing to do and it made me I'd sort of burn the bridge on my kind of CV if you like I think there's a massive like, oh you gotta build your CV when you come out of uni and get the right names on your on your CV and then you'll work your way up to something that's cool and I, I just I'd quit so many jobs or I'd been so bad at like three four jobs in a row that I just knew that I was burning the bridge on like that old kind of mindset and I just sort of told myself you know what <clears throat> like I'm not going to play that game anymore. I'm just going to, I knew I was kind of entrepreneurial and I knew I'd sort of be able to back myself to do my own thing in some way, but I just didn't know how it would be at the time. But I just kind of trusted my gut on that. And as I say, I was lucky enough to have um, a dad who ran a business in the golf world. So I was like, you know what, I've got an idea to sort of innovate his business (laughs) because golf needs innovation. So that was my, that was my plan. And I just was like, I'm just going to see how it goes. And I think that was a big sort of before after moment for me in terms of the outlook of my career and and the outlook of my whole life to be honest because I took more personal responsibility around what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go yeah it just shifted the mindset I, I never kind of once watched the clock ever really again like in a job because it was always like I'm trying to it's on me now the responsibility it's not like I'm just you know getting by in a job and it was just a, a very different mindset and I'm One's not necessarily better than the other, but for me, that was so important. Like I wanted to, I valued, you know, creativity, self-expression, like being just generally excited at work every day was, was really high up on my sort of priority list. So, so yeah, so that, that was kind of what I did. And after working at my dad's for about six months, I started up another business with my brother, which is called One Putt Golf. And it's kind of a spin-off from my dad's company. So my dad's company supplied golf courses in the UK and Europe with things like scorecards and signs, very exciting stuff. And my, brother's, my brother and I's idea was to basically create an event concept which reinvented golf a bit as a game and made it more accessible, um, shorter, more exciting. And uh, yeah, we got going with that. And uh, that kind of quickly became the thing that I wanted to really focus on and do long term because it was kind of my own baby and i enjoyed you know the process of being creative with it and you know creating events and running events with people and all that kind of thing sort of fast forwarding i guess a a couple of years after that and there's been a load of challenges that i'm sure we can sort of talk about and go into but yeah so ultimately started my own business and sort of now do a few different things on the side as well sort of freelance um for for extra money but but yeah now i've sort of forged out a more i would call it kind of my own path which is more kind of a freelance or entrepreneurial style career i guess but hopefully that sort of paints a little bit of a a picture that we can go on to different tangents with
0: yeah for sure thank you no that's great and i think um well i hope there are a lot of people um listening thinking that at least some of that really resonates with them because I'm sure it will. It's so funny what you said particularly about you find these jobs and you convince yourself that you want them. So it might be some sort of fintech job where you've just Googled the definition of the role and you've just looked at what the company do and you convince yourself that you are the perfect person to work in like cyber sales for a company you've actually never heard of until you found them on LinkedIn search but you're so desperate for that security of a notable role in like a credit worthy company that you're like yeah of course I want to work for Heinz what like obviously. Biology yeah. degree, Heinz grad scheme, natural. <laughs> makes world. Sense. Yeah. It yeah. makes so much sense. So what's quite funny is that so I am on a grad scheme now, but last yeah. year I moved house eight times and I had four different jobs within tw- maybe more, within twelve months. And so actually there is a lot of crossover in our kind of stories, and I think we share very similar perspectives on kind of the outlook of stuff. So why do you think we as millennials who are told that as long as you get your GCSEs and as long as you get your A-levels and as long as you get your degree your life will just be so plain sailing?
1: Yeah I I don't know it's I've, I've thought about this for for a while but I think it's the way that school and you know university system and education works is that it's a very very kind of right brain rational process in terms of there's always a grade to mark yourself at the end of the year, and it's it's all how it looks on paper a lot of the time and I think what school and uni doesn't you know teach you in in the classroom is sort of how to get a bit more of a sense of you know learn about yourself and your intuition and what you know what do you enjoy doing and and all these kinds of things so I think when we come out of uni there's there there seems to be a bit of a A mad rush and because people maybe don't actually like know themselves that well all you can really do is look around to the people around you and see what they're doing and it becomes a bit of a there can be quite a superficial nature to it in terms of you know what what's the name of the company that you're working for what's the what's the you know salary and all this kind of stuff which you know isn't isn't a bad thing like if you get a grad scheme and a really big great company that that's awesome like if i if I'd have got that I'm I would probably still be there but I just think I'm I'm so grateful for the fact that I didn't because it allowed me to be lost and be and then explore and and be force myself to sort of learn about myself what I'm actually good at what I'm not good at what I want to spend time doing and then you find a job that you're good at but you also enjoy it like you really do enjoy it yeah
0: you're you're not just you're not
1: just kind of saying that you enjoy it because it it looks good and sounds good and
0: quite scary to think that there there must be so many people out there who are in jobs that they don't know they don't like because because it's a very easy way of paying the bills and having a lifestyle they've always been conditioned to believe they should have they mm. might not even be aware that they could actually be thriving in something else and I mean not that I know what I am going to be doing in however many years but I think if you've had a bit of a struggle at least you know perhaps if not what you really want, what you really don't want. And you don't get that kind of self-rounding experience if you don't have something you really hate and really can't stand and find really difficult. So if you roll out of school, roll into uni, roll out of uni onto a grad scheme, you might be the perfect person for it. And it might be the perfect company for you. But it might also be something that's really incompatible with your character, but you might not even have let your brain kind of go that way and think about what could possibly be wrong with it. Cause it's so comfortable to just stay a
1: hundred percent
0: Stay in it. But that's really odd. Cause I think of my friends, you know, I'm one year graduated and I think of how many people I know on grad schemes and they've, no one's complained to me yet. <laughs> but Yeah.
1: It, it, it's the, yeah, it's interesting. It's I think sometimes it being so bad that you have to quit can be a real blessing because, and I think, uh, you know, you can have, a great group of friends on the on in the job you can have a really good salary and, and then you get a really good lifestyle to enjoy because of that salary and it's all these things that then are really great about the job but the the whole like fulfillment and enjoyment and do i love it it kind of gets pushed to the side because it's like well i have
0: to love okay that. that's
1: not that that'll come later or whatever like that that's not the most important thing right now so you just get you get quite comfortable in. The, the whole experience of it and the whole sort of enjoyment and fulfillment kind of gets pushed aside. It's like, just stop, like, don't bring that up, just sort of get on with it and yeah. don't, don't say too much. And I think we, we spoke, um, off air or in previous conversation about like the settling kind of mindset. And I think, again, I, I was lucky because I probably didn't have the feeling of there was loads of other good perks that were kind of going to keep me in the job i guess but i had a, a real drive to not settle like i wanted it all and that might be a bad mindset but i wanted to i wanted everything like i wanted enjoyment fulfillment i wanted to earn good money i wanted to have good people that i worked with respect and that, that, that was probably that was probably like you could say that's naive and it's certainly naive to want it straight away you can't have that straight away but i think to have that as a goal long-term is a good thing to have because you shouldn't ever really, I don't think you should ever settle in a job just because it's okay.
0: Let's go into the concept of settling because we had a real good discussion about this previously and how it's very easy to say don't settle but why some people can't help but settle or not even acknowledge perhaps that they have settled, don't even want to think about it. And I think the context of settling came up when I was talking about leaving university the first time and how it wasn't worth me staying there doing something I didn't want to do at uni I didn't want to be at when I could have had it better but for a short-term disruption, discomfort, awkwardness and that it's always worthwhile to not settle because ultimately you're doing yourself a favour And the hardest part of leaving uni wasn't filling out forms or saying I was leaving or deciding I was leaving and working out how to pay for me going. It was actually like verbalising it to the people around me. And that was after sort of six to eight weeks when if you've been at a job for eight to ten years even, or anything longer term, the difficulty in telling the people around you, it's almost such a shockwave that it's just not worth doing. And it's like, oh... No, I just don't think I can. So in terms of settling, obviously, you and I both on the same agreement in terms of in life and jobs and relationships in general, don't settle. (laughs) It's not worth settling. And I think we're very privileged in that way. We're kind of young with less commitments and ties and responsibilities, and we can afford to be selfish effectively. And you didn't settle in your job, still haven't, like always searching for what you are entitled to. And I didn't settle last year in jobs I wasn't happy in, in places. And So in terms of settling in a very general sense, there's obviously the kind of like financial ties. If you've got children to pay for, family, someone you're looking after dependent on you, there's the stigma of like, what will people think? What do you think the biggest one is? Like the biggest, the biggest tie and the biggest weight that stops people from really doing what actually... They either A want to do or B don't don't want to do.
1: Yeah, really good question. And I think the the word that I picked up on there was this kind of concept of selfishness. And I think that was a, that's always been a big one for me, is that I've rightly or wrongly sort of felt when I've wanted to go my own path or do what I maybe really wanted to do is this concept of or is that are you being selfish? You're thinking about yourself, not the people around you and when it comes to your your peer group and your close friends maybe people that you work you're currently working with your family also can be quite a, a strong force and i think when you when when you sort of question the the status quo in any kind of way that that can be uncomfortable for the people around you because by definition you're saying that you want better for yourself and and then that would that maybe has an effect on the people around you in terms of how they feel about themselves for example so i think that is a that is a big one um and i think it also does come down to this feeling of self-confidence and self-respect ultimately it's like in that in that whole um you know battle between sort of feeling selfish I think there's ultimately. I I think you you do have to sort of put your own mask on before putting other like masks on. Like you have to think about yourself and what you really want to do, and and be respectful of that, and, and sort of go after it, even if it is going to upset. A few people around you like short term you've got to i think it's understanding that if you are going to sort of upset people and they like take it the wrong way then it's that's more their that's more their problem than your problem nothing that you're doing that's unfair like you're well within you're always well within your rights to to have any freedom of choice to do whatever you want to do and i think becoming strong and and sort of being able to to keep making those tough decisions that might that might be uncomfortable for the people around you, but you know are serving yourself. I think long term that will help you. And I think long term you'll have better relationships, better relationship with your job,
0: all these kind of thing. I so agree. And I think it is that long term vision that actually if you are happier and as an individual you're doing something that you feel, I don't know, it gives you more purpose, gives you more freedom, allows you to kind of relax when you want to, well then you're ultimately going to be able to give back more to the people around you because you're not going to be miserable and you're not going to waste energy on being disc basically not being content in your like lifestyle. And I think, yeah, ultimately it pays dividends to the, to the, to your close circle and to the wider circle. If, you're able to do something. It's it's an odd one. I've always thought this. Words like selfish and jealous and like inward looking whatever. They all have such negative connotations and for sure there yeah. are so many contexts where like it's not good and it's not fair and it's not kind and it's not healthy and it's not good for you to exhibit them and those traits. However, like I'm such a big believer in like there is a good version of them all. I have absolutely no problems telling people I'm jealous of them I'm like you got like I want what some of what you've got like I admire you and in a way that the the kind of barrier between like jealousy and admiration are very it's like very blurred and I think it can be really healthy to be like oh I'm absolutely jealous jealous of you in like a really good way in terms of a kind of like self-motivating way and there might be people who hear stories of, of people such as yours and people that have kind of taken their own path thinking god i'm so jealous but it's jealousy in a way that actually could lead to something really good you could think i'm jealous mm. what can i do to kind of achieve it and that again being selfish like sometimes you need to do it and it doesn't have an adverse impact on anyone around you sometimes it just does not like sometimes being selfish actually doesn't hurt anyone obviously that's yeah um, in this kind of context, we're talking about in terms of finding something that's right for you, career-wise and like life-wise. But obviously, yeah, I, as a person, I wouldn't want to be described as. But on in small doses, I think it's healthy.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a really good point about those two sort of emotions, particularly like that the feeling of guilt around selfishness and the jealousy one. They're such taboo emotions. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like cool that you have that kind of emotional awareness to be able to look at people that you are jealous about in some regard uh, and say it and verbalize it and uh, kind of internalize it and not let it sort of negatively affect your life. Whereas I think jealousy and, and those feelings of guilt can just be so suppressed and just you kind of run away from them. I mean, I like certainly have in the past. And <clears throat> but I think you're right. I think if you can look into them, there's always. A reason for them like there's always a, they're always a bit of a signpost in terms of they're trying to tell you something so yeah if you if you look at someone and you you're really jealous it could be it could be telling you a load of th- different things yeah. like it could be a really negative one it could be it could be a positive one where you're like you know what i'm kind of jealous of that and maybe it's telling me that that's a direction that i want to go in a little bit, a bit more and i think asking those questions of like why am i jealous or why why am i feeling guilty I think is a good uh, it's a good thing to do and a good thing to like explore because you just kind of understand understand yourself better and and hopefully be able to make better decisions that that are serving you
0: for sure I think you're you're on you're on it when you say when you like look into it because you have to feel that way for a reason and if you leave it and it festers it serves no purpose But if you think like let you say, like, why am I jealous? And you're jealous because they're happy in their job, well, what's not to love? Like sit that person down and be like, how did you get to a place where you're happy in your job? They might say to you, I set boundaries, I asked feedback, blah, 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 blah. If you think, why am I jealous of that person? Or like on a material level, like I think they're more attractive than me, and there's nothing you can do about it, what a pointless emotion to have. And I think the more you look into it, you can just kind of like in a fork either put it in the I can do something about it and I will or I can do nothing about it and I shouldn't and it's such a waste of time
1: yeah I think you can either for example like when you get feeling of jealousy you can either sort of trigger and project and put that person in the category of like oh they're lucky or like try and tear them down in some other way that kind of brings you back so that you're both level or you can kind of come from a more a less like egocentric place where you sort of admit that they might be ahead of you in, in some realm of life. And that, as you said, like you can sit them down, learn from them, admit to yourself there's, there's something there that you're jealous about. and what's it, what's it telling you? And I think that takes a lot of humility to be able to to always do that. You have to practice that <laughs> process of being aware of those emotions and then like knowing how to deal with them well. I was also going to pick up on the, the control of what you can't control. And I think that's a really good way to look at it.
0: The controllable, because,
1: control the controllable. yeah control yeah. the controllables and it is it is true like if there's something that you're you realize that you're stressing about or worrying about that actually you have no control over or even you know what someone's choosing to do with their life you, you have no control <clears throat> over that so yeah. it's it's a tough pill to take sometimes but you can't control the way anyone behaves
0: on that note what That's, you said about People trying to do stuff to like level them, i.e., someone might think, oh, but like that's so unfair because their dad could give them a job, right? Yeah, yeah, but actually, and it, I mean, there's these age old quotes like you can't bring other people down to like bring yourself up, which is true. Sometimes it feels great to kind of get it off your chest, but actually, when you can do when there's honestly nothing you can do about it and that is sometimes like life then again like what a pointless waste of your time and energy like you're not going to be able to change the fact that they're from like a really wealthy place or have been given all these connections through whoever like nepotism blah 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 like that's such a big one with friends and jobs i'm sure oh it is massive it, it
1: is an interesting one yeah there's it, it seems that whenever someone does something that's impressive or they've gone and done something that they're proud of or whatever it may be, there'll always be something surrounding it which is like, oh, that's lucky because X or, oh yeah, but I would have probably done that if I'd have had that. I don't think that's actually really the way it works. I think you create your own luck in a lot of ways and I think everyone has, to some extent, obviously some more than others, but I think you all have your opportunities and you can take them and it might look lucky. Uh, there's a there's a, a book that I've I'm not actually read, but I've seen, and I, I know the guy who wrote it called Unfair Advantage, and he talks about how all great entrepreneurs use their unfair advantages, and that's mm-hmm. not something that should be looked down upon or something you should feel guilty for. But it is amazing how much that does happen, and you've got to realize that when you're doing that to someone else, you're immediately keeping yourself in your own box because you're by by saying that you're saying that I wouldn't take advantage of some an opportunity that came my way because I'd feel too guilty about taking it because I'd feel too guilty about what people are going to think of me and all this kind of stuff and it just that whole mindset just keeps you small in your box and not out there exploring taking opportunities and you know being grateful for them
0: I so agree and I mean there are people who probably think oh well as a white like middle class person of course you can say that because you like realistically it, uh, relatively your unfair advantage is nothing and that's true and I'm not saying that just because I haven't got a dad who can fast track me onto a, a you know magic circle grad scheme that my life's really unfair but I think if you stay in your lane and you take the opportunities available to you and there's nothing more you can do well then you're doing the absolute best that you can and if you you're in your lane and some really amazing opportunities come your way very early on. If that we were there, like we would take them. So, you know, how is that a bad thing when if you thought about it from someone else's point of view, you'd be like, well, yeah. And then don't hold it against them if you'd have done the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. I've definitely had to battle a lot of those kind of things. And I still sometimes, you know, feel like guilty for like a good example to bring this up, but like, One thing I've I've done on the side is I've got into modelling, for example, and like I have huge guilt around that in terms of uh, oh you're just like that's just so lucky that you like can do that and then you earn money from it. Like if I could do that, then I'd probably like go my own path or whatever it might be. But it was a really big step for me to get over that feeling of guilt. And yeah, like okay, there's unfair advantages in life, and someone might be able to do modelling. Someone might be have an unfair advantage to get you know into whatever it may be journalism or or something like that but if you have that feeling of guilt too much and you're going to care too much about what people are going to think and judge you for which they're always going to there's always going to be some people that are going to like make a judgment and and especially like that's so such a strong feeling with like instagram and and like social media it's it's, like whatever you're doing is like in the in the light of people's faces i think that will like prevent you from doing things that you probably want to do and want to try so yeah it's a difficult one
0: I think you know kudos to you if you're using something you've got to be able to allow you to do the other stuff ultimately you're not modeling for a career of vanity you're modeling so that you're able to do the other things you really want to do which have a much greater impact on other people well then that's to all of our advantage and not to anyone's detriment so I feel like it's Not that you're asking me for counselling on your choice to go modelling, but um, I feel like when you think about it like that and your motivations for stuff, not that you need to justify decisions like that to anyone, no one does, but actually, you know, it's from, you know, where it's from and you know, the place it's from and I'll, you have to just basically ask, well, is anyone like suffering. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like, I don't know. You can put it into whatever kind of box that fits well in your mind and what you feel comfortable with. And, you know, you just got to be aware of those like emotions and what, what might hold you back and what might, um, what might be worth exploring. But um, there, there was something else I was going to mention as well like yeah. on the topic that you bring up about what like holds people, Back, especially in the, the job discussion. And I think it's, it's not knowing what else is out there or like not, n- not being able to explore what else is out there. I think it comes back to the, the thing we were talking about before in that like it's, it can be quite good to kind of get lost and, and not have a clue what you're doing and not really have a particular story that your path that you're following. Because if you're always like following a path, you don't have any time to look elsewhere and like figure out things. And I think that that is a bit of an issue that is at play, like with school and uni and, and then like landing straight into a, a grad scheme is that it's seen as a bad thing to kind of be off the path or lost or like wandering around aimlessly. But it's only when you're kind of flailing around in that kind of deep end looking for stuff that you actually start to figure out what, what's possible and what you can do. So like I speak to a lot of people who don't love their job and they're like don't love it but but this but that but that that's keeping me in it and the, one of the biggest ones is but i don't have an idea that i'd do in entrepreneurship i don't have something else that i want to do i mean i didn't have an idea for the startup that i wanted to do when i quit my job and i think sometimes conventional wisdom will say well like wait in the job until something else crops up and then then take it and like take a baby step towards it. But I don't know if that's actually that possible. There's a way you can potentially sort of moonlight on the side and, and try and do things on the side. But if you're holding so much energy to a current job, that's not really serving your interests. I think it's very difficult to find different paths and figure out what it is that you want to do.
0: You would probably advocate, no stop doing something which serves no purpose and then put, 100 of your effort into something and ultimately then product will be better because of it and like if you don't have take the time and energy to give something it won't be or it will take a lot longer a serious lot longer to kind of yeah. reach a place of being able to break branch away I and mean, it's all risky I and mean, this is coming from someone who works a nine-to-five I am the most risk averse person <laughs> but I have I had written down kind of this lack of understanding causing like fear and judgment both from the both from the perspective of people around you for example thinking like what are you doing like you idiot why are you leaving that job like and judging you for your decision because they don't understand and then a lack of understanding of what's out there and coming to conclusions about what they can and cannot do in their current life because of basically not knowing anything else and like not having stretched and thought and like research about other options if they are really unhappy in their job. So in terms of families can be a bit difficult and yeah. even just friends. Like for example, I live in Bristol now. I'm so happy I love it. I've done London twice now. <sighs> love it as a city, but I think in terms of for me I never I never saw it very long term. And and the easy decision that I made was, was to do my job here. And there are so many people who pity me. They're like, oh, did you not get the job in, in London? And oh, well, like, how long's that for? And then can you come, to, then can you go to London after that? And oh, bless you. And I'm like, no, it was an active decision on my part. Yeah. And
1: yeah. I
0: think that judgment, as sweet and kind of pityish as it may be, comes from a not thinking outside this classic path of school Russell group University if you can and then a grad scheme in London and and it's amazing because I almost feel sorry for them that they don't think it's okay for me to go and live in another city an hour away
1: yeah hundred percent I've yeah I've had plenty of those I, I had a running joke before where I um I, for a, a couple of years I lived in, in Pearley in like a place in South London which is like cool place to live but i remember like always having that conversation with you know, people and uh who were like doing the kind of the london thing and that and it was like, oh where where are you living like expecting you know king's road or Platham. like yeah. ballon <laughs> clapham and it's like pearly it's like what like where's that like oh my god like it's, is, okay. is everything like all right down there like where, <laughs> where is that and mm-hmm. i just yeah it is i found it amazing you know let's let's see a bit of diversity here like let's let's allow people to be individuals like it's not about all conforming to one specific thing and like that is then fine i just think there's a big drive to conformity generally whenever i'm asked about you know school and uni like i think i have to have a bit of an opinion on it and i think it's great for loads of things but for me there's such a big drive towards conformity In that there is the ideal, there is the marks that you need to get, there are right answers, and it's about conforming to all of those right answers. And if I talk particularly about Durham, I would say, being completely honest, like on a more social standpoint, there's also a bit of a a kind of ideal around the person that you should be in social situations and what makes a good lad, on all this kind of thing. And it drives people towards being the same kind of person. And doing the same kind of things generally. And it's probably all for good reason. And that, you know, the jobs that you can get by being that kind of person are, you know, better paid and they're going to fast track your career more and they'll probably boost you up the career ladder faster and all these kind of things. And that's probably the way it is. And that's why you pay good money because you're probably going to get a good return on investment. But when it comes to being an individual, being fulfilled, being sort of self expressive, I don't think that places like Durham are particularly well set up for that kind of thinking. So you really have to like develop that muscle yourself and be strong enough to be different and know that, you know, when when you're being different, it's actually like a much better feeling and it might feel a bit alienating. But as you say, like it's in a way you kind of feel sorry for the people that are like playing the conformity game they're doing for, for whatever reason and people are loads of people are completely different and value different things but if you value that like sense of i've always valued the sense of being a bit like of an individual and doing things that that i'm sort of sounds ridiculous but like you know put here to do like what are your what are your natural gifts and that kind of thing like that's what you want to be kind of more in in touch with and in line with so and that and that can mean being quite different to your peers and that can be quite confusing difficult thing when you realize that it might make you a bit weird or it might make you a bit unpopular to be doing things that actually make you happy and you could potentially earn more from down the road so I've always just tried to follow that that path and just see what happens basically um
0: I mean these institutions have some really great elements I love my time at school but I would say on the whole it runs completely counterintuitive to this concept of like you do you it's like no you do uh, like we do something and if you don't fit the mold like we won't necessarily be able to help support you down that there is an expectation just kind of this conformity thing and it it's not it does not play to the individual strengths it it plays to a very well trodden path which does not suit everyone
1: it's it's financially driven at the end of the day like it, it the finan the financial outcomings of it um of a higher priority than like the personal you know fulfillment and enjoyment factors and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think if we're gonna if we're going like a bit deeper into it you mentioned like parents before as well and i think you know if parents have invested in your education for a long period of time like it can seem you know they do that because they want a good future for you and that future you know they might be thinking about it in sort of financial terms and you know go go towards like the safe route based on like the investment that we've that we've sort of given for you so throwing that all in and doing something that's like complete yourself can seem like a big risk and that you're throwing quite a lot away and I think that's particularly pertinent in in places like Durham and Exeter I'd I'd probably say
0: yeah and I think it it kind of centralizes on this concept of staying true to yourself which for a lot of people might be in these really conventional um lifestyles conventional roles conventional jobs conventional career trajectories like that might be staying true to themselves and they haven't given up an ounce of their their real kind of wants and and desires for life and and that's brilliant and the world needs those people because ultimately you know there are big companies out there, and they need a lot of people to run them. And if you are happy in your job as well, well, how amazing! And you know that's that's super happy. Um, yeah. But we did touch on the kind of concept of perseverance and versus you know staying true to yourself and how. I guess I want to ask you what what advice would you give someone who's let's say they're four months into a job, a tick box job. It's got a good salary, it's for a good company, and they're they're not loving it and they're trying to weigh up, you know, I persevere and in two years, I'll be better respected, better paid, more flexible hours, I don't know, versus them really staying true to themselves. Like, what do you think the real deciders are when you're trying to make those decision? I mean, I have left so many jobs, my CV I, is not an attractive um, piece of paper. And so yeah, what would you say to someone in, in that sort of situation where they're trying to weigh up? Is it a case of like, longer I stay the better it gets or is it a case of I'm not chasing my like true happiness sorry that's a big question but:
1: yeah no it's 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 a great question but it's one where I'm wary of giving any too direct advice because it's completely different for every single person and it's based on so many different factors the first thing I'd say is if you're if you're contemplating it even contemplating at the start like you know there is a problem there so admit admit there's something don't just completely deny it and just push it completely to the side and convince yourself that you're absolutely loving life like that's the first thing to do just get real and and admit to yourself like what the situation actually is and then I think it probably comes down to what your values are so sort of really asking yourself like what what's more important to you in the next five years like is it waking up every day and not feeling like you're being forced into doing things that you don't particularly enjoy doing how important is like short term like money and lifestyle for you is that a really high priority because if that is then just quitting and trying to start your own business or do something else might not be the best way to go or if you if you really like highly value creativity and like self expression and you'd be happy even if you were kind of living in a hostel room every day, but you've got to wake up and just like explore and do your own thing. If that kind of thing excites you, then you know, admit to that as well. And, you know, if you want to do that, then you don't have to do anything really. Yeah. To answer your question, I think it's yeah, those kind of things. I admit to yourself how it actually is. The second one is like try and work out your values and what is like best suited to you. So you can be confident in in the decision. And then the third thing is like it doesn't have to happen overnight. Like it's not and I was probably guilty of this is that I did think very black and white and I made big rash decisions and I saw everything as like a black and white I either love my job or hate my job and but things don't really work like that it's more there's a lot of gray areas it when it comes to things like that and you know you it can be like a five to ten year process of getting to a place where you're happy and like enjoy your job and you're financially secure so look at it look at it super long term and then work backwards. So it might be that you, you've, un, you've understood that this isn't the job that you really like doing, but you know where the end goal is. And you know that by staying here for another 18 months, which you can easily put up with, will then get you to another place that then you can work it out. Yeah, it might be that you've just realized that <laughs> the path that you're on is at, going absolutely nowhere towards where you want to be. And you do just need to quit it as soon as possible and start on a completely new one. So it just depends like completely on... The situations but probably just means a bit like spending time asking those questions to yourself and and if you can speak to someone who you can share stuff with that they're not going to judge you for because it can be difficult to to share these kind of things with like friends or or even family as for the reasons that we've discussed so if you can find like a completely neutral sounding board to just be like i'm not really sure about my job i like, don't really know where i'm going and like makes you feel a bit less weird as well because everyone has those kinds of questions and yeah if you talk about them and explore them becomes a lot easier and you can yeah hopefully (laughs) figure out what what you should do
0: well that's that that's great thank you so much and I think um and in even in the sense of having these thoughts about maybe your work and they might be a bit uncomfortable Um, We've spoken about this at great lengths before, and I I won't go into nearly so much waffle as I did last time, but um, literally my motivation for starting this podcast was, well uncomfortable thoughts and conversations are worth having and that the more awkward or uncomfortable a conversation is there's usually like the the most to be gained from it and I think it it goes for a lot of contexts and a lot of scenarios and a lot of times in your life I think it can just be easier to just be like oh shut that thought down don't want to go there because you know, I can't afford to think about having another career and I can't afford to think about my long-term happiness right now. Um, and there might not be like the perfect time. I don't think there ever will be. And like you say, it's never easy to kind of bring this up with people really near, like really close to you because mm. an uncomfortable and difficult thought to explore suddenly becomes way more difficult because all of a sudden you're like saying it to someone who knows you basically and they're not impartial um even if they don't exactly. like, work with you or we'll live with you blah, blah 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 and you've got a great episode on men's mental health why men find it so difficult to talk and we spoke about how these conversations are always worth having even if you don't kind of know it at the time and don't like feel it at the time you know we've both said that there have been periods in our life where retrospectively you can think god like that was that was a bit bleak but then the more you talk about it the like easier it gets and the easier it gets to like compartmentalize and understand the whole lot and I just think like in a lot of situations career and otherwise like understanding and knowledge is like the key to key to help and the key to finding something that ultimately makes you happier and provide a more fruitful life effectively and um, I just want to ask you as like a young man How do you think the kind of dialogue around conversations with mental health, perhaps between your male friends, what do you think has been like the dialogue around mental health recently? And what do you think would like help it improve a lot more? What are your kind of main reservations and main like positives around that conversation at the moment?
1: Yeah, good question. I think the male mental health stuff for me plays in a large part to what we discussed before around the kind of conformity issue. And I think men generally are pressured into playing up to like ultimate masculine stereotype and less about kind of you know just telling people how they really feel how it really is i had on my podcast a guy called jamie clements who he started a podcast called man down as opposed to man up which is just kind of questioning like this I think man up is probably like the biggest buzzword around that mindset of like you should always just you know stiff up a lip and just act like everything's fine always and that is what it means to be a man I think there's a time and place for that of of being a man and being masculine and like resilience and being strong in the face of like adversity and all these kinds of things but You've got to realize if you're doing that the whole time in every situation, that is not necessarily going to lead to good mental health. So I think there's, there is more of a movement for sure in the last like five years that's questioning that more and more, questioning what it means to be a man and that you can actually be a bit more vulnerable. And often when you are a bit vulnerable with the right people and again i I really stress the importance initially of of having these kind of conversations in private and with people that aren't going to be judgmental because a lot of men experience they, they try and share their feelings with like a for the first time like maybe like a girlfriend or a close friend or a parent and it doesn't go well and they they kind of get hit back by it and so that then reaffirms their belief that they should never be vulnerable and they should never be open so it's really important it's like a bit of an art to be able to like open up in the right way and and sort of build the muscle a little bit first so I think men definitely struggle with that I I used to bottle everything up pretty much didn't really have anyone that I'd speak like honestly to like any sort of dark or negative emotional things patterns that would run I'd keep sort of just very much to myself and they'd fester in my head and like become way bigger and it would just be yeah pretty pretty dense like going on in the head so i can only speak really from my experience around mental health and that's the way i see it i see men's mental health just being a case of the more you can be kind of honest about how you're feeling honest with yourself honest to the people around you like you're just gonna you're gonna feel lighter you're gonna just feel more relaxed, more okay with yourself, does that kind of answer your question yeah, in terms yeah, of like yeah. the men's men's mental health? I think that's what it comes down to. that
0: absolutely answers my question, and I think honesty has been a completely central thread throughout this whole conversation in so many different ways in terms of like you said, perfectly you know flexing that muscle, and it will take a lot of time, and there are so many things that I need to get better at, and the only way I'm going to get better at it is by practicing and exploring and like using that part of my brain and trying to understand those thoughts how I want to talk about them how I can talk about them and for men it might there are so many factors that make it more difficult and so many factors that make it really tricky and exactly how you put it you know go flex that muscle and give it a give it a go with someone who is completely impartial because we've spoken yeah. before it can be the Biggest knock to your confidence. If the one time Mm. you like muster up the courage to say something, it's like laughed off and shrugged off. You think, why the fuck would I do that again? Exactly. That was traumatic. Like never, ever again. And if, you know, if anyone has found themselves in that situation, I would say like persevere because like there are people who are very willing to listen and the people that shrug it off are the people who are like, too close-minded to entertain it and compassionate and kind enough to kind of explore that with you and I think it's this fear again coming from a complete lack of understanding and I I bored you last time we spoke about how this sounds really like dark but I want to like be a really good friend in the sense that I want to know what it feels like to go through all these different things so that if someone wants to come to me I'm able to kind of comfort them better and I think it's it's literally like I have this bizarre picture in my head of the brain like leaching into all these like different things. But I think just because you haven't gone through something, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try and understand it. And whether that's like yeah. mental health, job satisfaction, kind of grief or trauma, do yourself and everyone around you a favor and like think about it because actually, again, The more honest and awkward you are with something it's for everyone's kind of benefit and yeah i think what you've said about kind of the kind of conversation around guys like it's getting so much better but it's not there quite yet and it might never be like there, but that was a huge motivation behind like me starting this. I guess to an extent, you have obviously wanted to like feature that on your great podcast too, Unboxing Jim. will put all the information in the show notes. Um and yeah, no, I just love it. And I was just gonna ask you before we end that is there anything else you wanted to anything else you wanted to kind of touch on? before I pick your brains about some recommendations?
1: No, I think, yeah, pretty much discussed um, what we sort of set out to to discuss. But yeah, I like what you say there about just always being open minded to different perspectives and trying to learn as, or yeah, be open to whatever people are going through. I mean, obviously, I can only speak for my own experiences and probably help or advise people that are going through similar things to what I've been through. But and and I probably wouldn't be a very good advice to, you know, someone who's going through completely different struggles, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely important to be open to, you know, whatever anyone's going through and being aware of like where your, where your judgments come in and where your sort of stereotypes and attitudes sort yeah. of come up because they come up, come up quite, you know, unconsciously at yeah. times. I think it's, it's awesome that you are doing that and being so, open to not just a a particular tunnel of like struggles, but all kinds of different, you know, struggles that go on. And I'm sure there'll be loads of great conversations that you have.
0: Hopefully that's the plan. Anyway, the more conversations. Thank you so much for adding to the collection. Now, before you go obviously absolutely love the mindset you have and this conversation has been great and I just wanted to ask do you have any kind of like materials that you found to be quite transformational or comforting in maybe like a book maybe another podcast I know you said you started listening to podcasts when there was only like the Odd American one out there um, or anything you can think of that's really helped Kind of shape your perspective to kind of where it is now, and I know that we're, you know, you're older than me, but you're still very young and kind of forming all these things. But I just wondered if there's something that you always kind of go back to in your head and stay stay with that one.
1: Good question. Put me on the spot a little bit there. Yeah, I'll try and think of one specific one, but I guess as a general point is spoke at the start about when I the kind of bit of before after moment. And when I sort of decided to quit my job, and I knew it was kind of going down a completely different path. I, was, I remember being so immersed in different podcasts and books and lots of like sort of self development type reading, which they can be interesting. Some are great. It's an interesting world, you should obviously be open to those kind of self help and development kind of books, but also be critical as well because some may not have your best interests at heart there's a bit of a movement in the last sort of six months i've noticed which is like because i remember when i was going through it there was so many of these like american style sort of self-help you know come and we'll make you rich and this kind of stuff which can be kind of quite alluring and can sort of when you're 22 year old and you don't really know where you where you're going in life they can be they can prey on that and you know, charge quite a lot of money and all this kind of stuff so it's important to like to take on that kind of new information but also be a little bit still critical of it and try and just always stay as balanced as possible so that's like a general point but
0: what you just said about kind of being critical of what you see and hear and read and like staying balanced because it's so true you can you can see and hear one thing and be like that's it that is it that yeah it. but it yeah. might not be and and I think the point yeah to just kind of be open-minded, stay quite rounded and read both sides is actually a really good one, which I haven't haven't kind of heard before, or at least in a really long time. So I really like that one.
1: A specific one. I I, I don't know why this is the only one I can think of, but I think it is quite a good book if you are kind of thinking about the sort of entrepreneurial route and the, the different mindset of being an entrepreneur versus an employee. There was a book I read called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you've heard of it that book but it's it's a re- it did open my eyes a lot to the difference in the the mindset around being in sort of entrepreneur versus you know being an employee and what that what that entails and basically the story the story is there's a kid who has his real dad who's like a kind of middle class work hard go to school get good grades go to uni get a good job make a good salary that's how you get rich which is kind of what we were talking about versus the kind of well, he calls it the rich dad, who's his friend's dad. And he shows him like a completely different mindset around how to like live your life and your career and how to earn money. And it's all of those different principles that I think you have to kind of learn and soak up if you want to have more kind of entrepreneurial mindset or outlook. And it's, you know, things like teaching yourself, like understand how money works, like up your financial IQ, All those kinds of things. So, I I would recommend that one to anyone that, like, I guess is thinking about that sort of path.
0: I really like that. That's good. Thank you so much. I'll obviously pop all the information um, in the text so that people can look it up if they want to. That sounds really good, actually. How can people find you should they want to track you down?
1: Uh, So, I guess this conversation is probably most in relation to my podcast that I set up, and it's, it's called Unboxing with Harry McKinley. So you can find the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Um, There's also an Instagram page, which is unboxing.jim I think. So yeah, so that's probably where you'll find stuff in relation to, to this chat.
0: Thank you so much for your time on this Sunday morning. Really very appreciative and grateful for all your words of wisdom, insight. I think so many people find it super helpful. and I, for one, have really, really enjoyed it. And I think that is a lot of good stuff that people can take away and, if nothing else, just question a few of their thoughts and feelings and hopefully inspire some good conversation around the place.
1: Absolutely. Thanks very much for for having me on and have a good rest of your Sunday.
0: Thanks so much. I want to say a huge thank you to Harry for sharing his wisdom with me, and I've no doubt a lot of what he said has or will resonate. All of Harry's contact details are in the show notes and as ever, if you have any suggestions, comments or feedback, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I will be back very soon.